RTHK News. It's 11 o'clock, I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines. Beijing insists it's not giving up on one country, two systems after the MPC gives the green light to national security legislation here. As Hong Kong raises further concerns about the decision and charges are filed against a student who was shot by the police last year. Premier Li Keqiang has dismissed claims that Beijing has given up on one country, two systems by implementing national security legislation in Hong Kong. That's after the National People's Congress voted in favour of the decision at the end of its annual session. It will prevent, stop and punish acts and activities endangering national security, targeting secession, subversion, terrorism and foreign interference. Mainland security agencies will be set up here, but it's not clear yet if cases would be heard in Hong Kong or mainland courts in future. There's also no word on whether foreign judges would be barred from handling these cases. Speaking through an interpreter at a press conference in the capital, the Premier insisted Beijing has all along been fully and faithfully implementing one country, two systems. One country, two systems is China's basic state policy. The central government has all along fully and faithfully implemented the one country, two systems under which the people of Hong Kong govern Hong Kong with a high degree of autonomy, acted in strict accordance with the constitution and the basic law, and supported the chief executive and the Hong Kong SAR government in exercising governance according to law. The decision adopted at the MPC session is designed for steady implementation of one country, two systems and Hong Kong's long-term prosperity and stability. A political science expert, Professor Jean-Pierre Cabestin from Baptist University, says the introduction of national security legislation marks the start of a new era of greater Beijing involvement in Hong Kong. We're entering in another kind of one country, two system formula I think is one country to system 2.0 uh, with much less freedoms, with uh, very much more hands-on uh, Beijing authorities via the liaison office, the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office in Beijing. So um, that's not the end of one country to system. It remains to be seen how far the government is and, and Beijing is, are going to go. And eventually it will depend uh, upon, upon the level of resistance of the Hong Kong civil society. Members of the arts and cultural sector say the passage of the national security law would have a chilling effect and undermine freedom of expression. And singer Denise Ho, who testified before the US Congress last year on the SAR's situation before the Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act was passed, said it wouldn't be a surprise if she was arrested and sent to a mainland prison. That is something that I would expect, if I can put it that way. Ever since we went onto the streets, whether it's in 2014 or you know, last year, 2019, because when you see that there are people who have been kidnapped, the booksellers in Hong Kong who have been kidnapped and then reappearing on Chinese national TV, you know that there is no limit to what the CCP can do or will do. Hong Kong's special trade and economic status with the United States is now under severe threat after the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo concluded the SAR is no longer autonomous from China. It now falls to President Donald Trump to decide what action to take with regard to the economic privileges Hong Kong currently enjoys. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung says Mr Pompeo's decision has cast a pall over investor confidence in Hong Kong. Mr Chung questioned whether the U.S. Secretary of State is trying to help or harm the SAR. 
his statement is, will affect the confidence of the business sector in Hong Kong. The future investment and everything will be on hold. So we cannot do any analysis at this moment because we need to know the details first. Regarding to uh, what sort of sanctions they can do, the U.S. government always saying that they want to help Hong Kong. But on the other hand, they might impose sanctions to Hong Kong. So I believe that the U.S. government should consider more clearly what are they going to do to Hong Kong, whether they're really helping Hong Kong or they're hurting Hong Kong. Charges have been filed against a 21-year-old tertiary student who was shot by a traffic officer in Sai Wan Ho in November during the anti-government protests. Chao Pak Kwan has been charged with attempted robbery, obstructing police in executing their duty and trying to escape from lawful custody. He'll appear in West Kowloon Magistracy next Tuesday. The shooting happened on the day strikes were being planned for the city. You're listening to RTHK. The time is now exactly five minutes past 11. The government has announced the setting up of a new team to review governance and management issues at Underfire RTHK. The team will look at issues such as procurement and manpower, but will not be involved with programme production or editorial decisions. RTHK is under scrutiny after the Communications Authority accused two of its programmes of being biased against the police and slapped the public broadcaster with warnings. The review is expected to be complete by the end of the year and the Director of Broadcasting has pledged to his full cooperation. Pro-government lawmaker Elizabeth Quatt from the DAB hopes the review would address public concerns about programme production and quality at RTHK. I hope that the, um, this late review will be a very uh, sincere and a concrete review instead of a, a review just to um, shut up some complaint from the citizens. LegCo has approved the second reading of the National Anthem legislation, which is on course to be passed into law a week from now on June the 4th. During today's debate, Democrat Ted Hoy took a foul-smelling plant into the chamber in protest of the bill. That prompted LegCo President Andrew Leung to suspend the meeting and lawmakers to scramble out. The police are following up on the matter. Mr Hoy says the plant symbolised what's gone wrong here in Hong Kong. He also accused the LegCo President of trying to silence the opposition his abuse of power by not allowing us to speak at all and not allow us to put any prop on the desk at all. I was angry and I feel the need to protest against him. And so I used the rotted plant. The rotted thing is one country, two system. The rotted thing is the rule of law. The rotted thing is our civilization, our Hong Kong value. Premier Li Keqiang has brushed aside fears that China and the United States may plunge into a new Cold War as tension continues to rise between the two countries. Speaking through an interpreter in a press conference in Beijing, Li Keqiang stressed dialogue and cooperation are the way to go. There are many areas where the two countries can and should work with each other. There are also extensive exchanges between the two countries in the economic, trade, scientific, technological, cultural and other fields. There is extensive common interest between China and the US. Both countries stand to gain from cooperation and lose from confrontation. Getting Sino-US relationship right is in the interest of people of both countries and the whole world. You know that we have all along rejected the Cold War mentality and decoupling between major economies will do neither side any good. It is also harmful to the world. 
British police say a senior aide to Prime Minister Boris Johnson at the centre of a controversy over coronavirus restrictions may have broken them in one instance. But Durham Constabulary said no action will be taken against Dominic Cummings. Still, the BBC's Jonathan Blake says that might not be the end of the saga. The response from Downing Street to that statement by Durham Police that Dominic Cummings may have broken the law goes as follows. The police have made clear they're taking no action against Mr Cummings over his self-isolation and that going to Durham did not breach the regulations. It goes on to say that the Prime Minister has said he believes Mr Cummings behaved reasonably and legally given all the circumstances and he regards the issue as closed. And I think the point is that this statement from Durham Police is not conclusive. And so what it will likely do here at Westminster certainly is probably harden the resolve of those on either side. The British government is launching its coronavirus test and trace system across England. It marks a significant shift in its approach to containing the spread of the disease. The UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock says he believes the majority of people would want the system to work. People aren't doing this for the government or for me or anybody else. They're doing it for their loved ones, for their community, for the people they themselves are close to, because, of course, um, it's not just about transmitting the virus. It's a very serious disease, as we've seen. And the more that people abide by these rules, the safer we'll all be and the easier we'll be able to lift the broader lockdown measures. Spanish auto workers have rallied in Barcelona outside factories that the Japanese manufacturer Nissan says it will close in December. Protesters burned tyres outside the gates of one plant. The BBC's Ben Thompson reports. The Japanese car giant was already on track to report its first loss in 11 years, even before coronavirus forced factories to close and prompted a slump in demand for new cars. Today, its chief executive laid out plans to revive the firm's fortunes. It will close a factory in Barcelona with the loss of nearly 3,000 jobs and slash the number of vehicles it makes from nearly 7 million a year to just under 5 million. More than 100,000 people have now died from the coronavirus in the United States, a figure that's prompted sharp criticism of President Donald Trump's handling of the pandemic. His Democratic rival in November's election, Joe Biden, said thousands of lives could have been saved if urgent steps were taken to introduce social distancing and other public health measures earlier. This is a fateful milestone we should have never reached. We could have been avoided, according to a study done by Columbia University. If the administration had acted just one week earlier to implement social distancing and do what it had to do, just one week sooner, as many as 36,000 of these deaths might have been averted. Protesters have clashed with riot police for a second night in the U.S. city of Minneapolis in an outpouring of rage over the death of George Floyd, an unarmed black man. He died after a white police officer knelt on his neck as he repeatedly said he could not breathe. The BBC's Farhana Darwood reports. Hundreds of protesters, many with their faces covered, thronged the streets around the 3rd Precinct police station close to where George Floyd was brutally arrested on Monday night. They chanted, no justice, no peace. And I can't breathe. Police used tear gas, plastic bullets and concussion grenades to keep the crowds at bay. Protesters pelted them with rocks and other projectiles, some threw tear gas canisters back at the officers. John Elder is a spokesman for Minneapolis police. We've had a number of fires set. We've had a bad amount of looting, actually, and uh, just widespread civil disobedience. 
and it's unfortunate. It's sad. If people are there, truly there, to honor the memory of the decedent and the, and the family, this isn't how you do it. Hundreds of people also gathered in downtown Los Angeles on Wednesday afternoon to express their anger at the death of George Floyd. Sports Now English Premier League clubs have voted unanimously to resume contact training, even as four more individuals tested positive for the coronavirus. The Premier League is aiming to resume the season on the 17th of next month. Here's the BBC's Laura Scott. Now, what this uh, phase of training will involve is close contact, tackling, and it will enable the clubs to bring players in to full team training. So they could do 11 v 11 from tomorrow. Now, whether clubs will choose to do that or not is, is entirely up to them. Clearly, it would come with an increased risk of transmission. Jordan Henderson from Liverpool, he said that the Liverpool players are feeling comfortable and safe. But then we have got the Bournemouth goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale, who was one of the players who tested positive last week. And he said it came as a total surprise to him. So clearly there will be some concerns that still remain, but it does seem like they are happy to move forward uh, in, in the sort of majority to this next stage. The Dutch Grand Prix has become the fourth Formula One race to be cancelled this season because of COVID-19. Organisers chose not to host the event without spectators. It would have been the first Dutch Grand Prix in 35 years. At least six other races have been postponed. NBA players who've left the United States since the league was suspended in March because of COVID-19 can now return to their teams to prepare for a potential resumption of the season. Atom Jung has more. The NBA has reminded its teams that players who are currently outside the U.S. have been cleared to return, though quarantine rules may apply in some areas. The acting Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad F. Wolf, signed an order last week providing the exemption for professional athletes from rules put in place during the pandemic that would have otherwise barred them from entering the U.S. Wolf said sports provide much-needed economic benefits, but equally important, they provide community pride and national unity. In today's environment, Americans need their sports, he said. A small number of NBA players from foreign countries left home during the pandemic, and that includes the Dallas Mavericks all-star Luka Doncic, who returned to Slovenia. Teams are expecting guidance perhaps as soon as later this week as to when they'll be allowed to resume full-scale practicing ahead of a possible resumption of the season later this summer. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Beijing insists it's not giving up on one country, two systems after the MPC gives the green light to national security legislation here as Hong Kong raises further concerns about the decision. And charges are filed against a student who was shot by the police last year. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 it's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. Beijing's top legislature has approved bringing national security laws to Hong Kong with plans to ban acts and activities that endanger national security. The vote paves the way for the setting up of mainland security agencies in Hong Kong, but it makes no reference to foreign judges being barred from handling such cases. Anna-Marie Evans spoke to political science expert Professor Jean-Pierre Cabestin from Baptist University about what the resolution means to Hong Kong. Well, that means that we're entering in another kind of one country, two system formula. 
I think it's one country, two system, 2.0, uh, with much less freedoms, with uh, very much more hands-on uh, Beijing authorities via the liaison office, the Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office in Beijing, and uh, and, the, and the state security, which is going to set up some organs, some branches here in Hong Kong. So um, that's not the end of one country, two system, you, because the, the hard border between Hong Kong and China will remain because the free flow of capital will remain, and Hong Kong will remain also a financial hub, uh, at least in the foreseeable future. But it's really a big change. How do you think that the international community will react to this, or do you expect more protests to come locally as well? Yes, I mean, there are two things which are going to impact the uh, on the international community. Uh, first of all, the level of uh, protest and reaction, negative reaction from the Hong Kong society. Uh, and that's a factor of uh, instability and, 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 and uncertainty for the business community. And also the U.S. reaction and the sanctions which are going to be put together by the Trump administration. Um, we have to wait, uh, first of all, for the details of the uh, uh, national security law, and secondly, for the uh, content of the sanctions which are going to be uh, taken by the U.S. administration, whether they're going to target leaders, organizations, or whether they're going to target the business uh, community in Hong Kong uh, remains to be seen. How do you feel that the NPCSC should write up the exact terms of the legislation? Well, I hope that they will um, get uh, advice from uh, Hong Kong uh, jurists and legal experts, and they will uh, sort of um, um, take into account uh, the debates which took place 17 years ago when Tong Chihua was uh, chief executive. Eventually, Tong Chihua made some concessions uh, which were meaningful, and I hope they will uh, revive those uh, and use those debates and, and make the same concessions. But I'm not sure that today with Xi Jinping, the uh, central leadership is inclined to be uh, as open, you know, more, more open-minded on that on that issue. They may impose much stricter rules on Hong Kong. We've seen that the number of crimes which are now under the purview of the national security law has increased, including terrorism, including foreign interference, which were not included in the first draft in two or three, uh, not even in the basic law. So that's why people are worried here. Yeah, how worried should Hong Kong people be? I think they need to be vigilant and uh, and, and 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 check on and every st- and every step all the promises made by Carrie Lam and the government because uh, it remains to be seen how far the government is and and Beijing is are going to go and eventually it will re- depend uh, upon upon the level of resistance of the Hong Kong civil society as we know the Hong Kong civil society is very much attached to liberal values to freedom and democracy to the an independent judiciary and those uh, principles of course clash with the principle of the communist party within china so um, what uh, if there is a level of resistance which is strong enough uh, maybe that will put some limits to the to the restrictions that beijing wants to impose upon the society in hong kong
Organisers of the annual June the 4th candlelight vigil say it's very likely the event would be banned by the police this year. A law barring gatherings of more than eight people because of COVID-19 is in effect until at least that day. The Hong Kong Alliance, in support of patriotic democratic movements in China, met with the police and proposed to put in place social distancing measures at the vigil, marking the anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre. But the Alliance's chairman, Li Chert Yan, told RTHK's Wendy Wong that the police were not swayed. They are very insincere. They are, I think it's only a PR public relations stuff saying that they have, you know, sort of communicated with us, but nothing come out of the communication. And then we, we, I think the meeting ended by, you know, my asking them, you know, when are you going to tell us whether you ban already? And I think that is more, in a way, more practical for us in, uh, because we don't have any illusion that they will try to be uh, cooperative to us. So you think it's very likely that police will ban your proposal? I, I think very likely, because from what they say today, very obviously they have no sincerity in trying to work out something for the rally. And secondly, when we go to appeal against the decision to ban our march on this Sunday, the police have already mentioned one statistic, that during the whole ban of gathering regulation, the 559G, not one gathering was allowed. Either you, they, they, uh, they get you to withdraw or they just ban you totally. So zero, zero rallies, zero marches. So uh, as I think it's very obviously they are using uh, the whole excuse of the COVID-19 uh, to ban all gathering. And since they have this uh, ulterior motive of banning gathering, there's no use of wishing that we can hold a rally uh, with the police not banning. Uh, you have told the police that you will make sure people maintain social distancing if the rally can go ahead. How can that be done if there are hundreds of thousands of people? No, yeah, I think people in Hong Kong are so self-disciplined. How can it? How how can it not be done? You know, people would not gather. They would know that they will keep a distance, and they are experienced in everywhere in the world where people keep a distance in rally. So, you know, we will announce that. People will follow uh, our proposal and, and they would have discipline. And therefore, I think social distancing is not a problem. And when you look at Hong Kong, actually, it's very hypocritical to tell us to be uh, having social distancing to a certain extent. Because when you look at the public transport, it's so squeezed and then, but it's exempt. So when, when you exempt something, they need, don't need to social distancing. And when you don't exempt something and we say that we can do social distancing, you do not trust us. So I, I think that's the situation now. And therefore, for the uh, Hong Kong Alliance, we will go ahead with the candlelight vigil on June 4th, asking people to light up a candle wherever you are. And then we, as the Hong Kong Alliance, will go into Victoria Park to continue the tradition of the, uh, the candlelight uh, condemning the massacre inside Victoria Park. The Department of Health has urged smokers to quit the habit as studies show they are more likely to develop severe symptoms if infected with the coronavirus. Marking the World No Tobacco Day, the department cited more than 20 overseas studies which reported that it's up to 2.4 times more likely for smokers to need intensive care if they come down with COVID-19, compared with non-smokers. Ben Che asked Dr Jonathan Ngai from the department's Tobacco and Alcohol Control Office why smokers are more prone to develop severe symptoms if they're infected with COVID-19. First of all, tobacco smoking is 
something is known, it's a known risk factor for uh, respiratory infections and increased the severity of respiratory disease. For example, uh, smokers are two to four-fold increased risk of invasive pneumococcal lung disease and also two-fold higher risk in inf uh, influenza and more severe in smokers. There are multiple factors leading to the higher risk. Mm -hmm. um, that include the toxic substance in tobacco smoke that cause tissue hypoxia in many organs as well the smoke damage the lung mucosa and hence reduce the ability to clear mucus. And also the tobacco weakens the function of body defense immune cells and the production of antibodies. All of this weaken the body defense and has increased the risk of severe infections. Mm. Now your office has highlighted the risk of infection caused by water pipe smoking, such as sisha or hookah. Is this form of smoking getting more popular in Hong Kong? And um, what are the regulations regarding that? Actually, uh, according to the Fematic Household Survey performed in 2017, the majority of tobacco users in Hong Kong use cigarettes. Only less, uh, less than 0.6% use other tobacco products, including water pipes, cigarettes, and roll-your-own cigarettes. Um, but we will continue to monitor the use patterns and trend by regular survey and will devise necessary control measures. And is there any risk in terms of um, using water pipe smoking that might spread COVID-19, for example? Yes, um, because uh, smoking uh, water pipe itself is smoking tobacco, so tobacco itself increases the risk. In addition to that, uh, water pipe further increases the risk, especially if the mouthpiece are not used individually, so that the virus can pass from mouth to mouth. As well, smokers can uh, often cough into the hose, and the moisture in uh, tobacco smoke uh, promotes the survival of the microorganism inside the water hose and uh, the paths are often difficult to be completely disinfected be, uh, between each section. Mm. This promotes the growth and transmission of microorganisms as well. Okay, and are there any new initiatives that your office will implement to encourage people in Hong Kong to actually quit smoking? Yep, um, we are now rolling out a publicity campaign to track a quit of time among smokers and to raise the awareness on national cancers caused by smoking. Um, we have launched a thematic website www.livetobaccofree.hk, which facilitates smokers to quit by themselves by giving them more accessible information on how to make a quit plan, information on the medicines, as well as for those who need to help, they can easily find a contact of cessation clinics on our website. A judge in Canada has paved the way for Meng Wanzhou, a senior executive at Huawei, to be extradited to the United States. What will this mean for relations between China and Canada? Paul Evans is Professor of Asian and Trans-Pacific International Relations at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Well, in Canada, our hockey games have three periods, and we've just finished the first period, and Madabung's team did not win. There will be appeals, etc. Uh, this issue fits into the broader conflict between the United States and China that has pulled Canada in. And uh, I think that <laughs> Not many Canadians are happy with the decision today. They accept it uh, because there was hope that this could uh, pull us out of this jam between the U.S. and China that uh, only seems to be getting worse and raises the stakes and makes it more painful for our relationship with China. In China, there's a high degree of suspicion of any idea of any of any possibility of courts being independent mm. of the uh, political process, and the first issue for Canada has been to indicate we may not like the situation we're in, but the political our political leadership cannot intervene to get an outcome 
that they wish. It's going to have to play through by rule of law. And in China, that idea of rule of law um, being dominant kind of cuts across the grain of their experience and their reality. So in addition to a diplomatic conflict that's come out of it, there's a real perceptual difference between people in Canada and our and Chinese public and some of their officials on how this is playing out. South Korea is reintroducing tougher social distancing measures after officials there recorded a fresh spike in coronavirus infections. 79 new cases were identified today, the highest daily figure for nearly two months, centred on a cluster in a logistics facility in a city just west of Seoul. The BBC's Laura Bicker has more on what measures authorities are now taking. Well, they're not saying that this is going to be a step backwards in social distancing. They say that they're going to maintain what they call this lowest level of social distancing measures but they are going to close kind of public parks museums they're urging businesses to encourage more flexible working hours so that means back to kind of working from home if possible basically this is a warning to the people in the highest areas of population to Seoul to the surrounding cities because they are fearing that these infections are beginning to crop up in worrying areas. This distribution centre is just on the outskirts of Seoul. Within the last hour, we found out that there's been another kind of cluster outbreak, yet another centre right in the heart of the city. So far, Seoul, with its greater population of 25 million people, has managed to avoid the real impact of coronavirus. And health officials want it to stay this way. So they have maintained this aggressive tracing, testing, tracking policy which has been successful so far but it hasn't meant that they've managed to stamp out the virus completely and that's why they're seeing these pockets of infection crop up to stop it spreading further they're urging measures but it's not just to do that they want schools to remain open yesterday i was in a school and it was the first time that children have been back at school for five months they want the education system to get back and stay back on track. So to do that, they're urging people to be vigilant, to stay alert. And that's the kind of measures that I think they're urging today. It's a plea that's worked in the past, and I think they're hoping it will work again. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Todd Harding from our newsroom. On the internet, anyone can publish anything. Even if it seems true, doesn't mean it is true. Even if someone is popular, doesn't mean you should believe what they say. So, take a look from different angles. Check the facts before jumping to conclusions. Try not to let emotions sway your judgment. When fake news goes viral, it can have severe repercussions. So, check the facts to keep fake news in check. Live across Hong Kong, this is Radio 3. January to December. We'll have moments to remember. 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 Oh, yes, this is it. Our kind of music, yours and mine. It brings back memories. 